welcome to Hot Shots, the podcast about women over 35 learning to play football for the first time. I'm CJ and I've followed my team Liverpool for years, watching their moves, how they run, how they pass. But it's only recently that I've done more than kick a ball with my young godson in the back garden. I'm Kate. I played a little bit of five-a-side for a while when I lived in London, but that was over 12 years ago. In this podcast, we'll be speaking to older women who play football and the teams they play with. We want to hear from the experts about how to get football fit and avoid injury. And it would be handy to learn a few rules and tactics of the beautiful game. I'm Rebecca and we all play football weekly in Brighton with our friends. Our team's called Hot, Hot Women, Women FC, FC, the hotties. That's a reflection on our menopausal body thermometers. Today we're recording at home and we're kind of getting over the Christmas break, aren't we? Recovering with a nice extra layer of insulation for the rest of the winter. <laughs> yeah, three weeks, no football, no practice. Has it been no football? Only telefootball, sofa football, which is very good. Sofa football and a box of chocolates. There's been loads of that, hasn't there? Chocolates, chocolates? And, and sofa football or it's, pub football. It's a dangerous combination, isn't it? The Christmas break and all the football that you can watch but via various TV channels or what weren't TV channels and are TV it channels. It was quite relentless on telly. Really was. It was, was every so two days or something. And that's a lot of beer, a lot of chocolate. Um, just in those two hours that you're watching. And that's as viewers rather yes. than as the players. You know, the players of the, the Premier League and the uh, Championship who are playing these games every two days must be Yeah, without hardcore. the beer or the chocolate. Yeah. Like I've got this image of you sort of like tethered to an armchair over a three-week period going, no, more, not more. Really hard for you, CJ, hard. I know it was kind of growing around me. <laughs> so I didn't move much. But in all seriousness, did you miss playing? I think um, I did. No, no, not really. No, <laughs> no not true. No, I, uh, I didn't. No, because Christmas is so busy. And so everything, there's so much going on, isn't there, at Christmas. You don't really have time to miss routine because there is no routine. So um, I didn't miss it in that sense. I did get a little bit of exercise so to try and compensate for the number of chocolates. Now I've reached stage A, I'm ready. I'm ready to go back to it. Kate, you? I, I missed the exercise. For sure. Yeah, I think I did as well. Yeah. Although it has been nice to have a little break from the two nights a week playing football. Um, but I did miss the exercise itself. I think it's difficult because at the moment, um, FC Hot Women, we have, we're in a tournament that plays on a Tuesday and we have our practices because we'd pre-booked where we play on a Wednesday. So it would be kind of fine if it was a Tuesday and a Friday or, you know, t- there was a break between. But it's, mm. and without, with, well, certainly with the age of my body, there's no recovery time. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's, that's quite tough. So having a break is good on that extent. But I do feel that the progress that I'd made over sort of three or four months, my body's very quickly... Have you been doing stretching and stuff like that to keep keep? I've been stretching into the fridge to get things. Um, I stretched under the Christmas tree to get my presents, which brings me. Well, some really lovely friends of mine, CJ and Kate, bought me a great little book about the history of women's football. They sound nice. Yeah, they do sound (laughs) nice. You you want to meet them though? They're not that nice. Um, But that I'm really looking forward to reading it. I haven't had a chance yet. Too much football on the telly. How about I you guys? Say that. <laughs> yeah, we also had some lovely football gifts. We've got a nice friend called Rebecca who gave us a women's football yearbook, which is a lovely book, and it goes through all the different players and and teams in the. Is it like kind of a cricketing almanac? 
I think that's a drink. I think Almanac's a drink, darling. Good grief. It it is time you get back on the training pitch, really. It's the Calvados of uh, women's football, yeah. I also got some lovely Liverpool FC socks in my stocking with added sparkle. I I got some LFC paraphernalia as well. I got a lovely T-shirt emblazoned with 8-0, which... um, uh, refers to a game between Liverpool and Besiktas in 2007, which was nice. on the way. I think it's a record victory score for a Champions League game. So that was very exciting. It's the inevitable Liverpool references. Can I just say, though, if we're doing things other than FC Hot Women references, I am now the new Roland Free Charlton supporter, which is a very lovely way to bring in 2020. Well That'll make sense to people. It's been an emotional ride for you guys, hasn't it? It's been a tough, tough time at uh, Charlton, but we're now Roland Free. Turning. The tide is, well, let's hope, yeah, yeah, get some new players in the the transfer, it's that excitement transfer winner time. Anyway, no transfers at FC Hot Women, I don't think. Are there? Uh, No, we're going to keep all our players. We'll try and get some new, we'll try and buy some new ones in. Yeah. Yeah, maybe some younger ones. (laughs) But we, where did we finish last year? Because I'm now sort of, we're, we're due to play again in the next week and we finished. And our table, the league game, so we're our second from. Uh, that's from. Rebecca's term, second from, which I'd never heard before. Second from bottom. <laughs> and who doesn't love a nice bottom? You know, we're, we're, we're sitting Eek. comfortably on top of the bottom. There you go. <laughs> it's a nice place to be. And I'm, I'm, honestly, it's great that we didn't finish bottom. Though it's not about the competition, because I wouldn't have minded had we, because I think we just all enjoyed the sort of thrill of the ride. But yeah, it's... and I think we're, in terms of results, we won one and we lost three. So um, it's pretty shit. For our it's first not ev- that bad. For our first ever competition, I think it's pretty good. And a reminder that the average age of SC Hot Women is probably, a, on average, a decade, if not more than a decade. I mean, I'm certainly probably at least 20 think, years older than most of the people we play. Yeah, I reckon the average is probably mid-40s, isn't it? Of FC Hot Women? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mm. And I think the other teams is probably between 25 and 35 probably it's hard to tell though we're doing okay we're doing okay we're still hot we're still hot (laughs) the thing is we're doing okay now but I wonder you know if we'd have been doing this 30 years ago when we were their age how would it have been what were you doing when you were in your 20s and 30s because I wasn't running around playing football like they are now what were you doing when you were young enough to be doing this (laughs) a bit more um... so when I was their age I'd just finished university I didn't do any exercise at university I might have gone to some aerobics classes between school and... I know, remember those. It was the 80s, darling. was the 80s. Yeah, was it, was it Jane Fonda? Nice <laughs> leg warmers. Fame. Oh she is not a live for But I didn't do any, any regular exercise in my 20s, I don't think. Yeah, it was in my 30s that I started doing a bit of running, but nothing. Yeah, 30s I started yeah, doing 30s. exercise. I think after... I was hockey at, at school and I tried to get involved in hockey teams after school, and but it was all so difficult to get there be there do stuff and with the rest of life going on so it fell away quite quickly I didn't I don't think I did anything except drink beer in my 20s and take for granted that the body that you had would keep on functioning doing and Mm. repairing itself yeah Yeah. I mean actually in my 20s I was probably very similar to an FC hot women game in that I've sort of chased women and they got away from me regularly That was probably my exercise. I think I met you in your 20s. <laughs> you, you were too fast. Yes. <laughs> but, we did meet in our 20s. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think either of us were particularly fit. We were fit, but we weren't fit. Yeah, we were hot, but we weren't fit. 
That's our story and we'll not allow any photos to be shown to prove otherwise. But yeah, definitely we weren't doing, none of us then, were, we were just taking our bodies for granted. Yeah, I think it was a, quite a different sort of mindset then. Well, we had a different mindset. But actually not everyone did. I mean, we've heard a lot about this, the fact that women in their 40s and 50s didn't get a chance to play football. But uh, actually, not quite true, because uh, we're going to be chatting to someone today who bucks that trend. And she set up a women's football team in London back in 1994, which is still going strong. On today's podcast, FC Hot Women meet South London Women's Football Club. You're listening to Hot Shots, the podcast about women's recreational football for the over 35s. With me, Rebecca, Kate and CJ. And we are delighted to be joined by Sarah Messenger, who founded South London Women's Football Club in 1994. You don't look old enough, Sarah. Oh, that's very nice of you to say so, Rebecca. Hello. (laughs) Now, before we all have a good chat about why you started a women's football club in South London back in 94... Tell us about you and football as a child and where your love for football began. Well, as a child, obviously growing up in the 80s, um, she says with her tongue very firmly in her cheek. Um, I, uh, no, I, my dad is a massive Manchester City fan and uh, so he, at the time, inflicted that burden on me. So I used to have a season ticket. I was a junior blue, used to go and watch uh, City at Main Road with my dad and have continued to be a City fan. I also played football with the lads on our estate, which was pretty much the only way girls could play football in the early 70s. So did that until uh, I developed breasts and then the boys decided that they didn't want to play football with me anymore. I was probably played football between about five and six and being about 14. And then it sort of literally stopped because I didn't know of any women's or girls teams and you know school kind of takes over a little bit and I didn't play again until I went to London in my early 20s so I had a kind of six-year gap. So what then made you think I want to play football again because most people I think in your generation my generation might have played football as a young kid and then stopped for just that reason they started looking like a girl and that was it. What made you in your 20s say no do you know what I'm going to play? If I'm honest, it's because I thought I was Lionel Messi reborn in a woman's body. So um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, <laughs> I had a very modest sense of my own ability as a football player. But the, the honest answer is I missed it. I loved playing football and I came to London and then discovered that there were women's teams. I met somebody who played in a team. She said, oh, come and, you know, come train with us. Went and trained, loved it. They asked me to come play with them and I did that for a couple of years and then the rest is what we're about to talk about. So you're playing with them and as you say you then decide I need to start my own team so why did that happen? It happened because a group of us were having a kickabout on Clapham Common and somebody had the bright idea of going to New York in 1994 for the gay games. Bear in mind we had no money and very few, very few of us could play football. I'm not quite sure how we thought we were going to get to New York and enter a formal competition, but that was the plan. And we realised that if we are going to enter a competition, we might need something called a team, as opposed to just a group of seven or eight women who kicked a ball about on Clapham Common. So we rustled up a few extra players and developed it into a team, went to New York, had a fantastic time in our cockroach-infested hotel. But then when we came back, there was that sense of, we've done this and we've created a team, we've had a great experience, now what? 
back in London, we'd just been kicking about on Clapham Common. We hadn't played any games. I mean, how the hell we managed to get through a tournament in New York when we'd never played a game in our lives? I don't oh, know. Tell us but about the tournament. It was mostly on what I'd call baseball pitches, you know, the sort of reddish, sandy stuff. Fatal if you do a sliding tackle on that. We didn't win it, which is no great surprise. But we, we were expecting we, yeah. to win. We were definitely <laughs> expecting to medal in us. You've got a better chance than us, trust me, with the team we took. But um, we loved it. It was the first time we'd had to behave as a team, if that makes sense. So you have to turn up at a particular time, at a particular location. You have to decide who's going in goal, as opposed to we'll all do five minutes each. You kind of have to have some understanding of the rules. I mean, I did, and a few some of the ones who were football fans knew the rules. I mean, no word of a lie, we had people on our team who didn't even understand that the aim of the game was to actually kick the ball in a certain direction and put it in the other person's net. Um, I love that, I don't, I don't know how many own goals we conceded, <laughs> and, and our players would celebrate when one went in. Um, I think um, <laughs> maybe let's not talk about own goals, hey? <laughs> yeah, Kate, so it's a bit of a... Yeah, yeah. Oh, I said, oh, let's not talk about okay. it. <laughs> OK, we'll move swiftly on from that. But... Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the whole experience of playing in a tournament and being a team. And we did actually, I think we won one game, maybe drew one. So that, you know, the yeah. sense of achievement that you get from that was really kind of addictive. And so when we came back, we wanted to carry it on, but had no idea how we were going to do that. And so eventually I we sort of found out there was a league in London and she and I put on our best bib and tucker and went off to this meeting with two gentlemen in at least their 80s who sat there and interviewed us as to our suitability to run a football club. Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm not exaggerating. We really did have to go and be interviewed. And then we were accepted into the Greater London Women's League in Division 93, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what about the name? Because the name now... To me, slightly incongruous, South London Women Football Club, because South London is a massive area. And these days, there are teams with all sorts of names from all over London. So why the whole of South London? Why not Clapham? The honest answer to that is that when we went to New York, we thought we were hilariously witty for coming up with the, the name of the team of the Studs. Right, we thought this was brilliant. It's kind of worn off a bit now, but at the time we thought it was quite funny. Obviously, a reference to our huge <laughs> levels of attractiveness. And um, so, and when we you're, came, talking, when we you're to, talking to hot women, so, yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you, yeah, I was misled, wasn't I? When I was told, I did I want to come to Brighton to meet some hot women? Um, but, uh, uh, I'm she sure that's so how you cheeky. phrased it. I'm sure that's how you phrased it. Anyway, I uh, so I and we were at the league meeting, and one of the blokes in his eighties said. So what is the name of your team? And one of us went, well, we're called the Studs. You can't be called the Studs. So literally on the spot, one of us had to come up with another name. So we went for the very generic South London Women's Football Club. I'd like to pick up on something that you mentioned and you sort of brushed over quite quickly. Um, you were saying about, you know, you were playing in Clapham Common and then you, you had to develop into a team. I want to know a bit more about that. For the New York competition... Once we knew we had enough people on the plane going to New York, it, it wasn't really any more sophisticated than just, right, these are the 11 players that will start this game and here's our four subs. When we came back and we actually entered the league, then we did have to be much more organised. We needed a constitution. We needed money. So we had to develop an approach to subscriptions that would generate some income because you have to pay for the pitches, you have to pay for the referee. If you want a cone to train around, you need to pay for that. Um, <laughs> and balls, they, they're not cheap. So, and of course, kit. So 
uh, all of that needed money. So we had a kind of system of an annual subscription and then people would pay on the day of a match if they played. But also, importantly, we had a long conversation about the ethos of the club. What, what did it exist to do? And it was, of course, it existed to be a football team and to win a competition. But actually, at the time, we were very focused on providing a safe space for lesbians to play football in London because whilst there were a few women's teams at the time there were levels of homophobia that you would encounter were quite high from the touchline you know boyfriends on the touchline or men on the neighboring pitch you were playing and we kind of wanted to create a space where lesbians new to London or not necessarily new to London who wanted to play football knew that it was somewhere they could go that they that would be okay so that was part of the ethos. How do you get that balance between competitiveness and inclusivity? Because I think that's very that's something I'm very aware of with our team. Is we're in this little league, and yeah, we're getting battered. Uh, we've won one game, but we're generally getting battered, and and it means things to the players that nobody wants to get beat. But we want it to be inclusive for everyone who wants to play football, wants to play, can play that game, and it's quite a fine line to tread. I think. How did you kind of do that? I'd love to be able to say that we achieved it perfectly. We didn't. You just have to... I think the honest answer to that is that if you buy into the ethos and you were one of the better players, you had to accept that it meant that you'd be playing with people who might be your right back, who wouldn't understand how to clear the ball, couldn't head it, would give you a hospital pass every time they passed it to you. What's a Um, hospital pass? It's a pass that... (laughs) Basically, that's not going to reach you unless you break your leg to get through something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We had a few of those. And not to get frustrated with it. So, at the end of the day, if you're a really good footballer and you want to play in a high-quality team... I mean, there were less choices in the 90s, but there were still some... You know, women's football was really starting to properly evolve then. And certainly now, there are lots of choices. If you're a great footballer, there's lots of choices for you. For us, you had to let go of that and you had to accept that you would play with people of different abilities. I think on the other side, though, there is something about the fact that we weren't just there as a social club. You know, if you wanted to just meet people or have something to do on Sunday afternoon, you know, you could join a Macrami group, couldn't you? Or, uh, you know, or, or go get a dog or, you know. there was So there had to be something about people putting a, a, a degree of effort in, whether that was turning up to training trying to improve as a footballer. Yeah, so it comes from both sides. So it did come from yeah. both sides. It wasn't just about anyone can rock up and we'll pick you in the team. Mm. But what we didn't do was just pick the best 11 all the time because that's demoralising yeah. and defeated the object of providing a space for people to come and play football. You're listening to Hot Shots and this week we're joined by Sarah Messenger from South London Women's Football Club. Looking at your website, which I did, sort of, you know, obviously great research, if you follow me this way, and can I let you hold that for a second? Because I noticed that you... Did you say Rebecca's leading uh, Sarah to <laughs> the computer? Let's so pack come sure. back. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not quite sure what to expect here. What it says is that you've had over a 1,000 women have been part of South London Women FC. <laughs> yes. When you were sort of flying back from New York, all sort of that, did you imagine that you'd have that ahead laying in the next sort of 30 years a thousand different players and people coming through no and it, it, it you know it is actually quite remarkable we had our of course we had our 25th anniversary last year um which if, if i didn't already feel old made me feel very very old i do i feel very proud that we created a team and a space that's enabled lots of women to enjoy playing football and we now have three teams we have about 60 players very mixed 
not mixed in terms of all being younger than me, but mixed in terms of ethnicity, sexuality, and so on, age as well, to some extent. We have a couple of players in their 40s, a lot of younger players. We have a very clear ethos in terms of how we play the game. And we're pretty good. We've got some really good footballers, really good footballers. Now, this is what I wanted to show you, because when I was sort of looking up your team to see what was out there, I stumbled on this page on Gumtree, and I thought, well, how new is this? Over the last few days, there have been adverts for Clapham Ladies Football Club Players Wanted, Goalkeeper Wanted in Clapham, South London Women's Football Club Players Wanted, None Commitment Ladies Football Clapham Common Play, Saturday Ladies Football Sessions Come and Play. All in the last two days, all of these adverts for women's football online. I mean, it's just gone bananas, hasn't it? It has gone bananas. I'd like to claim credit for all of that, but um, I, <laughs> I suspect others had something to do with it. But that's what's so amazing and brilliant, isn't it? I, I mean, I know on this podcast you'll have talked about the Women's World Cup this summer and you'll no doubt return to that as a topic. But to see the level of interest that there is in women's football, the fact that quite a lot of the British public could name a woman who plays for the England team mm. would never have been the case 10 years ago. So, you know, at the end of the day, football... I remember having an argument with a teacher once who tried to convince me... I remember being at school. Again, this is an indicator of how old I am. And at one point, the class was split and the boys went outside to do play football and the girls were left inside to do needlework, right? Well, I mean, you can, yeah, <laughs> you can imagine my horror. I remember at the time having a conversation with the lovely PE teacher, Miss Hill who tried to convince me that football was infinitely more dangerous than hockey. This was literally 10 minutes after somebody had been knocked unconscious by a hockey ball and rushed to A&E. So, you know, this whole thing about girls, it's not feminine to play football, it's not ladylike, it's dangerous, it's all absolute rubbish. And we've, mm. we've seen from... Yes, the women's game is different to the men's game in terms of the level of physicality and the pace it's played at. But actually... You watch most women's teams now, they're certainly the better ones. They play really good football and they're great to watch. Now, I was disappointed to hear you don't actually play yourself anymore, though, do you? So let's you're looking a bit like, oh, here we go. So tell us why you don't play anymore. <laughs> this is too many silk cut in the 90s, I think. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm 55 and because... I love football so much. I know I'm a decent footballer, but I don't want to play and be a hindrance to a team. And I'm too old to make a decent contribution. Oh, you're never too old to be a hottie. Never too old to be a hottie. Yeah, decamp, come to Brighton. Yeah, I, I, I meant a team with young people who now to play football. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just so I know, You know, I don't mean it. If I lived in Brighton, I'd be. I'd come along and join you definitely. I, I'm actually coaching the team, so. We've got a head coach, a guy called Pete Edwards, who's brilliant, who's done a lot of work in terms of developing the way we play. And then myself and another guy, Clark, sort of help because we've got three teams and 60 women to manage in a week. So I, I really enjoy doing the coaching side of it. Although, of course, to most of the women, I am actually old enough to be, if not their mother, their grandmother. And some of them now very... There's, not, there's only one woman still there who was there when I played, who's the club captain, who's brilliant... But most of them, I mean, you know, I could be any person rocking in off the street. But we had a training session about six months ago on a Friday night on a big full-size pitch. 
and about 10 minutes before the end two of the women had to leave so Pete said to me should we you and I just join in for 10 minutes I thought god this will kill me um <laughs> so, so I, I I merrily volunteered to go up front I thought oh I don't have to do much running if I go up front and <laughs> just towards the end of the game the ball got crossed into into the middle I'm about 20 yards out and I hit it with the inside of my foot and curled it right into the top corner. I swear, some of the women on that team were looking at me as if to say, bloody hell, did she just do that? As if, you know, because they obviously thought I, I was so old. Were you like that? So you I, was, like, yeah. I, was, I did a knee slide into the corner. I, yeah. thought, that was, <laughs> I thought that was appropriate. And, and then the ambulance then, was then, called. Then, yeah. <laughs> then I went back on my armchair. Um, <laughs> But, so I, I can still kick a football. Moving with it is a different matter. <laughs> yeah. But did that feel good though? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was that was I was back in 1993. I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we come from a different place, don't we? With it, our, our glory is slightly less. Our glory is mostly uh, if we can put a pass together. Yes. <laughs> Because we are beginners, so we're yeah. just trying to work out how to do it. That said, one of the things that I really love about the coaching and being involved, still involved in the team is that whilst we've got some really good players and we don't tend to take on now players who really just have no idea how to kick the ball, we've got quite a lot of players who were not that good when they first started who are really good footballers now. So actually you can get much better at football. It's not a kind of innate ability. Mm. And if you haven't got it, you can't become a decent footballer. And I often say to some of the women in the team, you know, when I was a kid, I played all the time. So all I did was play football. But one of the things we used to do was stand in front of a brick wall or a garage door and kick a ball backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. It's a brilliant thing to do. Yeah. But what would you say to old women like us who are trying to give it a go? Because as you say, the legs don't quite work like they used to. The reflexes are slower. What's, what's your sort of top tips to the hot women? The, the thing that's most important to me when you play football is not actually your fitness, although clearly that helps enormously. It's being confident with the ball, either at your feet or coming in your direction. If you're frightened of the football, you'll always find it difficult to be a decent footballer. So the more you practice with a ball and become confident about when that ball comes, I know how I'm going to stop it. I know how I'm going to pass it. Mm. Those quite basic skills, I think for newer players develop some drills that involve practicing passing and do it to the point of boredom because the moment that drill gets boring is the moment that actually you've got quite good at it do you miss playing yes i do i miss it because there's no greater buzz than scoring a goal or making a brilliant tackle or winning a game of football so i do really miss it i don't miss not being good enough to play at the level i want to play at but then on the other hand you also as, as all footballers will say there is a point at which you just have to know it's time to hang up your boots and for me it was when every sunday i'd wake up and we could have 10 foot snow drifts and i'd be gutted if the game got cancelled i'd have you know i'd have got some husky from somewhere and got a sledge <laughs> and got myself to the game and being gutted if it didn't happen and then it got to the point where i'd wake up and it'd be like a day like today perfectly nice perfect football conditions but a bit of a gray sky not 24 degrees and i'd be like god i please god let it be cancelled let it be cancelled <laughs> So that was the point oh. at which I knew that my football playing career was over. So now you do some um, podcast stuff for Man City, I heard. Yes, so I What do. do you do for... I'm a member of the Canal Street Blues, which is a supporters club for City, and the chair of that 
mentioned to me um, something called the Man City Show and he knew the host and he said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to put you in touch. I think you'd be, you'd be good to get you on there. So I chatted to a great guy called Nigel Rothman who presents the show and does quite a bit on talk sport and and other sort of city-related um, slots on shows. So usually there's about 15, 16 different contributors. So every week there'll be three or four of us. So he has a kind of rota. And we talk about the game that's just happened that weekend and the game that's about to, you know, yeah, whatever like, the next yeah. game is. I think I listened yeah. to the Liverpool equivalent, it's the Anfield rap. Yeah, you it's... want to try the Man City show, you'll enjoy it much more, I promise you. Um... <laughs> oh, um... Let's not start that. <laughs> we're, we're going along so nicely. But it, but it, oh, on a serious note, mm. I, I mean, I love doing it because, you know, you just sit there and chat about City. I mean, it's not... And it gives me an excuse for my partner to justify watching every single City game that's on the telly because I, I, you never know, I might get asked to... If, I'm, if we're not going to the game, I obviously need to make sure I watch it live. Um, it's worked to treat that excuse, yeah. I can tell you. Um, but... Um, it's really important, I think, that we hear women's voices and we seem, you know, we're seeing women pundits, we're seeing women commentators. Yeah. Slowly but surely, it's just becoming accepted now. We Nobody bats an eyelid if Alex Scott is one of the pundits or one of the other women that have done it. Yeah. And I think across football, whether it's fan podcasts, it's great to hear women's voices because women have always loved football. There's plenty of older women go to football matches. You see them when they zoom in on them on Sky Sports. They've been going for 60, 70 years. Mm. Women have always loved football, and it's yeah. about time that we, our voices are heard. Yeah. A massive thank you to Sarah Messenger of South London Women's FC for breaking into her Christmas holiday to visit us here in Brighton. I'm CJ and we're always on the lookout for stories of women's football to discover and share. So get in touch with us if you've got any ideas. Whether it's training tips or anything else football related, we'd love to hear from you. But that's it from us this week. We'll be back next time with more football chat, advice and laughter from the world of Hot Women FC. And if you want to follow us or suggest any topics for us to look into, or indeed any guests that CJ, Kate and myself, Rebecca, should be talking to, then get in touch. We're on Twitter at HotShotsKick. That's at HotShotsKick. See you next time. And remember, you're never too old to be a hotshot. Or a hottie. <laughs> <laughs>